Hello and welcome back to Access All Areas Podcast, proudly sponsored by CCFC Fan Store, your one-stop place for all unofficial CCFC merchandise, and our new guest sponsor for this week, CCFC Prints, for brilliant artwork delivered straight to your door. Find them on Twitter to access their Etsy store. Um, we're going back on our virtual tour via Club 92. Once again, flying solo, AD, hurry up, I need you back. Um, and today we take a trip to a club on the South Coast who have a tricky FA Cup fourth round tie coming up against the mighty Sky Blues. So this is perfectly timed. Um, it's my pleasure to welcome Ben from the Total Saints podcast to talk all things Southampton. Ben, how are you, mate? Neil, yeah, not too bad, thanks. Thanks very much for inviting us on. And uh, yeah, we're, we're certainly uh, sweating a little bit over next week's cup tie. Wow, you played the fake Sky Blues recently, so you may as well play the real ones. I know, I know. And fair play to your fans. I think I said to you when we were in contact, f- selling out 5,000 tickets in 25 minutes. I mean, that is a sign of a, a proper club. And I, I'm going to win your listeners over really quickly by saying that I've you know, I've always... Uh, I wouldn't say I've had a soft spot for Coventry, but they, you know, having grown up in the 90s, they were always in the Premier League battling relegation with us. And uh, as I said, proper <laughs> football club, a lot of respect for Coventry. Well... It's weird, Southampton's one of those clubs, and again, I'm going to sound like I'm putting up a little bit, but you've all, we've always kept an eye on good club. Um, the Dow was very similar to Highfield Road. St Mary's is very similar to Larico. Um, we'll, we'll get to connections later. There's a lot of connections. I remember playing your first game of the season at Highfield Road and losing 1-0. Yeah, and yeah. High-hand scoring. Yeah, um, it was Egg Lawson's that actually, Neil. But yeah, I mean, and the only reason I know that is because our Premier League record has been so bad over the years. We've only won twice on the opening day of the season at West Brom, I think, 2014 in Coventry in that game you're talking about. It so, was, it was Egg, Egg Lawson's that I stand corrected. Apologies. <laughs> um, but I remember that season. I remember we. this shows how long ago it was. It was still the nationwide Division One. Um, and Coventry was singing when the Saints go nationwide, um, which. I think we're showing our age there. Um, so, yeah, and, and also, again, something we'll, we'll, we'll touch on, but our owner, Sisu, nearly brought you guys back it in the did. day. Yeah, so, yeah. And I, I remember reading Matt Letizia's autobiography, and he said, he mentions that the Sisu takeover, and I'm, I'm guessing we'll touch on this when we talk about the lowest memory, um, but when you guys were in League One, and I think in his book he says something along the lines of... Um, we came so close to a good owner in C, so look at Coventry and how well they're doing. Yeah. But it's, yeah. Thanks for that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, enough about Coventry. Let's start talking about Southampton. You're a, you're, you're a huge Southampton fan, Ben. Um, how did you get into supporting Southampton? Do you know what, Neil? I wish that there was a really glamorous story behind this, but uh, the sad thing is, I was born and bred in Southampton. It's my it's my town. Um, you know, I'll, uh, I've got red and white blood cells for a reason, Neil. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, my, my dad took me to his first uh, my first game in I think 1987. I made some notes here, and uh, my granddad had started going to watch them in the in the 40s. My dad was born in the 50s. He went to see them all the way through. He's still got a season ticket now. So I was looking out. I mean, we must have a family of 80 odd years following the Saints now so yeah I've grown up with them 35 years myself hence as you can see not a lot of hair left but uh, yeah I mean it's it's my city it's my town and probably like you guys in Coventry you know it's uh, forever going to be my club 100% wouldn't have it any other way would you um, and, and, and again uh, we'll keep harking back to this throughout this podcast but there are so many connections between the two clubs you know similar sort of catchment area noisy neighbours down the road that annoy us um <laughs> So I'm guessing you, you, your first few, your first formative years, as it were, would have been at the Dow. 
Yeah. Lo- lovely stadium, by the way. And I genuinely think, and this is a tin hat theory here, that you suffered getting rid of the Dallas moving to St Mary's because I think it was definitely an equaliser. Um, what are your earliest memories of, of following the Saints? Yeah, first things first, I'm not sure I call the Dell Stadium, but uh, <laughs> it was a bit rickety. Um, you know, I remember taking a, a pee in the gutter and things like that, you know, in the toilets. But yeah, I mean, it was, you know, you, you're right. I mean, it was a unique football um, ground, um, having grown up there before they moved out in 2001. And, you know, witnessing Letizia obviously scoring the last goal there against Arsenal was incredible to be be there and want to be um, one of the 15,000 nil. But yeah, I, I think, as I say, my dad took me to my first game, 1987-88. I don't really remember it that well, other than that I remember it was one against uh, Sheffield Wednesday, I think. But my first probably proper memory, um, 1989, Saints played against Liverpool. Liverpool was sort of flying in those days. You know, the likes of Peter Beardsley, John Barnes, Ray Houghton, Bruce Grovelaar. Um, they came to the Dow and, um, you know, Saints tore them apart. We beat them 4-1. Um, we had quite an exciting side in those days. We obviously had Letizier, but we had the likes of Rod Wallace, um, certainly Alan Shearer that, uh, you know, people will obviously know as the greatest goal scorer in the history of the Premier League. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. So we we played them off the park, and that game was live on television. There's some brilliant clips of uh, um, you know um, the the sort of game uh, out there. I think Barry Humphreys is the commentator, commentator you know, legend as as well. And um, it was just a, a fantastic um, experience for me as a sort of you know what nine ten year old going along there and and taking on one of the big boys. And you're right, just to finish that other point, I was talking to someone the other day, and um, we did. It took us a couple of years really to settle into St Mary's. Lots of clubs enjoyed coming there, and I think found it a lot more. Um, relaxed, you know, the fans weren't right on top of them and um, it, it did take Saints quite a while to adapt to the, to the St Mary's so it was good to move there from a commercial point of view and obviously to grow as a club as we have done but you're right, I mean the Dow will always again hold a very special place in my heart Yeah, and, and I think club fans listening to this um, will sympathise because, you know, Highfield Road's our spiritual home, again small rickety stadium poles everywhere so you can't see in certain places <laughs> and, um, and what have you you know, and we moved to the Rico now, the CBS, which I'm led to believe is a copy and paste of St Mary's. It's pretty, pretty much, much it? That's that and the King Power, I think they're all pretty same. Pretty yeah. Middlesbrough even. Yeah, yeah, there's a few, yeah. isn't there? Yeah. Exactly that. You know, it, it seems to be, you know, the, the norm now is these 32,000 seat stadiums just, just put a different colour seat in. <laughs> um, you know, and, and we struggled for years, um, you know, I, I, don't want to make excuses, but it's potentially the reason why we slid down the divisions as well. Um, as, as we'll touch on, obviously, that, that goes happens to you. Um, one thing I will say, I'm really glad to see he's back up there. Um, it, it's some exciting football to watch, and I'm, I'm, I am really looking forward to coming down. Um, it will be the, this, this will call out on Monday, so um, when people are listening to this, it will be this weekend. Um, really looking forward to coming down. Um, I want to see that there's, there's some really exciting players in this squad at the minute. I digress. We'll get to that. Um, but w- one thing I'm looking forward to, I, I love an atmosphere. Um, and I've seen some tweets that we've took over your singing section, as it were. That's right. Um, so all your guys are moving. Is, is that annoying you fans a little bit that you've got to move around? Or? Yeah, I mean, not not really. I mean, we've kind of been used to it in the years that we've been there. Um, you're, you're right. I mean, the away fans obviously go in one corner of the northern stand. So what the club tends to do for access purposes for, for where the away team coaches park and things like that is give clubs the whole of the northern stand. Um, so all that will happen probably is that the people, you're right. I mean, normally it's the, the northern stand is where the more vociferous Saints fans are. They'll probably just move to the side of the Kingsland and the uh, the Itchen stand so that they're 
close enough to taunt, but also close enough to cause a, a bit of an atmosphere as well. So I think, you know, it's not ideal because you're right. I mean, ultimately, it does take some momentum away from Saints, you know, in the second half. Of, of games you know generally the way that we play um you know you're going to have a, an away team shooting towards 5,000 fans trying to suck the ball in the net so it's never been ideal there's been lots of conversations over the years about moving the away fans in general um but uh yeah I mean um you know Saints have to obviously come out and, and show their quality and as you say I'm sure we'll get onto the game but uh certainly from an atmosphere point of view I dare say Coventry are going to uh make it very uh you know noisy oh, yeah. that's the plan that's the plan bring the noise and <laughs> Hope for the best. You've got nothing to lose, have you, say? Exactly that, mate. And I think, you know, when the draw was made, there was a couple of Cough fans that didn't think it was a glamorous enough tie. But I thought it was was a perfect tie for us to test ourselves. Mm. With all due respect, last couple of years, you flirted with relegation a little bit. This season, you've got a very, I'd say, stable side. Great manager. um, Playing some lovely stuff as well. We're flirting with the playoffs. Let, let, let's see if we're anywhere near that level. I think it's a yeah. great opportunity. Do you know what? If we lose 4-0, but we have a good day out, who cares? Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Really looking forward to it. I, I think there'll be some good football played by both sides. Yeah, um, totally. We, we've got a side that likes to get the ball down play, play out from the back. You guys seem to be quite similar. So mm. it's yeah. all the ingredients of a great game, but it's going to be a nil-nil. <laughs> well, obviously, it's got to be decided on the day, hasn't it? So yeah, I, I'm just, you know, but uh, I think from a Saints point of view, we're just glad we've got a, a home time. And I, I don't know the numbers off my top of my head, but pretty much the last four or five seasons, we've been away almost every round. I think it's it's nice that we we played Huddersfield at home a couple of years back, but uh, it's just I think from a Saints point of view, nice to finally uh, get someone. I think it was David James, ironically, ex Pompey, that was doing the draw, wasn't it? But uh, it was nice <laughs> of him to pull Saints out at home anyway. So I vaguely remember on Twitter. Um, obviously, the first thing you do is you want to see what the opposition fans have said, uh, and there was very much a oh, good home tie, home tie, because and we're glad to get a glamour tie away from home because what we seem to get is teams in our own division. So we we had Derby in round three at home, and I, someone will correct me, I'm sure, but I believe it's nine seasons on the bounce. We in the in the first round that we've entered the cup, we've played someone from our own division. Well, it's just like. Come on, just, just just give us a good day out. And I think that's why the ticket sold out so so well. Um and there was news today that we've been granted another 325. So we, we don't know when they're going on sale, but if they last more than 10 minutes, I will be surprised. Um because there's been a lot of kerfuffle, shall we say, uh, about tickets. But yeah, it, it will be a good day. You touched on Pompey um there with David James. Obviously, we know they're your biggest rivals. Yeah. Um, still can't get over the red nap situation back in the day, but again, I'm sure that will come up. Um, is there anyone else that kind of comes up as a, as a bit of a rival? or you, Have you got one of those quirky rivalries that no one knows of? Yeah, I, I think Pompey are the, the main rivals, aren't they? I mean, they're the ones certainly, um, you know, it's, it's a lot more of a serious derby than, than maybe people give it credit for and, and the coverage it gets you know there's a lot of derbies around the UK um, but it's certainly one that's very very passionate and uh, 
can be quite feisty. Um, I've got to get on record. The last time we played them was down at their place. We beat them 4-0, so that was good. Um, but, uh, yeah, we've not done great uh, against them over the years, sort of, um, you know, at home particularly and things like that. But um, I remember certainly some games at the Dell where we beat them and uh, and those sort of things. But certainly in the St Mary's years, they've come and uh, nicked a couple of uh, points and, and wins and things like that. But, I mean, Bournemouth have tried to create a rivalry the last few years. I mean, they've obviously been in the Premier League, um, as you well know. Um, so they've tried to create a bit of a... Of a, of a rivalry but I mean Saints fans really I think it's been Pompey the other club that we've had a, a rivalry which is ridiculous when you look at it on paper Neil is um, pretty much because they've signed our whole team there's a lot of hatred around for Liverpool so uh, you know whenever we beat them like we did last year at St Mary's you know it means a lot to Saints fans I think that they've spent all that money pretty much built us enabled us to build a new team that has then gone and beat them anyway so yeah I mean Liverpool is, is never going to be our rival in terms of um, club size and the fact that they're a, a massive club and competing for titles but there's certainly a bit of niggle there still between Saints fans and the way that they just sort of uh, you know um, things like Van Dyke, you know taking him up to Blackpool when he was a club with us and talking to him and selling him the sale and things like that you know a bit sort of backhanded really so yeah but yeah what, what, what do you expect from them not there? I'm, <laughs> I'm, still, I'm literally just trying to think then when you're talking. Is there six or seven? Lo- Lovren, Lallana. Yeah, so there was Dejan Lovren, Adam Lalana, Sadio Mane, Ricky Lambert, uh, Virgil van Dijk. Um, and then the other one that's there now that was ex-Saint is Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, but they didn't yep. sign him from us. But yeah, there's certainly at least six, eight Saints at one time, yeah. Well, you had ins off them, so at least you got a yeah, little bit back. We did. <laughs> <laughs> at least a little bit back. Um, to be fair, I love those quirky rivalries, you know, uh, where no one on earth knows why they happen. Like, I, I, I haven't spoke to any yet, but I'm really looking forward to speaking to Brighton and Palace fans to find out the story there, because that makes mm. no sense to me. Um, obviously, the nickname's The Saints. Um, we know you sing when The Saints go marching in. What else have Coventry got to compete with at the weekend, noise-wise? Do do you know what? I mean, I have to be honest, hand on heart, and I, you know, I may get grilled by Saints fans for this. We are absolutely rubbish at songs, honestly. I mean, we are just—it'll always be like Jay Rodriguez, you know, and all that sort of thing. There's no, you know, there's no sort of creativity to it. The only one I do remember that I I still love, and I got to talk to him for our pod last year, is uh, Ricky Lambert's obviously a bit of a hero of mine, but we we had a bit of a song which was, I'm not very good at singing, Neil, so I apologise to your listeners, but it was, uh, he stands just over six foot three, Ricky, Ricky, he'll take us to the Premier League, Ricky, Ricky, he gets the ball, he takes the piss, he wears the shirt of Matt Letiz, Ricky Lambert, Southampton's goal machine. But, you know, that was like, I mean, that used to echo around, but yeah, oh, when the Saints is the main one, um, other than that, I mean, there's so many players in our team and you always see this on Twitter. Oh, you know, Joe Bloggs hasn't got a song. We need to come up with a song, but we never do that. So, <laughs> so, so we've got something at the minute. So um, the, 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 the two things I'll, I'll go on to. So our Swedish striker, Victor Jokeres, a, a song was made for him this year. Um, he was on fire start of the season. Mm. Scored nine goals in, I think it was eight games. Um, and then we, we created a chant for him. And he didn't score for 15 games. <laughs> Finally broke that duck the other night against Stoke. So long yeah. may I continue. Um, but all, all you get now on the fans forums and Twitters is X player is playing really well at the minute. He deserves a chant. And then yeah. the band that flies left, right and centre while people are trying to find a chance. And it does make me chuckle. Um, the one thing I will give us at the minute is we've got we've got a few quirky chants and we'll, we'll make some noise and see what happens. That, that, that's the main thing. Yeah. Now, this is the part where if AD was here, this is yeah. where AD comes into his own. You can see I've got some shirts behind me. There's yep. a show. AD is the guy that collects shirts properly. <laughs> so 
These are his questions. I, I hope you're doing well. Um, one of the pinnacles of being a football fan is as a kid, yep. getting that strip with either your name or your favourite player's name on the back. Can you remember your first Saints jersey? Do, do you know, I can't remember my first jersey and uh, I had to look it up. You know, you can go on Wikipedia these days, can't you, and find all the sort of historic kits to remember what year it was. But uh, it coincided with that game that I spoke about earlier, Neil. So it was 1989. Um, I got it for my birthday. So my birthday's the end of August. So it would have been the start of that new season. I have to be honest, it didn't have a name on the back of it. I don't think I was really into sort of uh, any particular player by then. But uh, in true spirit, I mean, we're both... Uh, and again, I'm sure we'll come on to it. We're both manufactured by Hummel and at the moment. And again, that was a Hummel in those days. And uh, solid red and white stripes, Hummel logo, um, big fat Draper across it in in, uh, in light of um, uh, Draper tools. And my mum still has a picture of me. And this is a big shout out to uh, any donkey fans out there because for my birthday on the 8th of uh, uh, 1989, sorry, we were on holiday down in Devon and uh, we went to Sidmouth Don- Donkey Sanctuary and there's still a picture at home of me sat on this pretend donkey wearing really, really short shorts, very uh, inappropriate, I would have thought, and this football kit and uh, looking proud as uh, as Larry. And uh, I've got to say, you know, it, it was... When, when you asked me that question, it came through, I thought, you know what, it's nice to reminisce about that, to be honest, because 1989 yeah. feels like an awful long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about it. Um, and that's half the reason we do it, you know, that nostalgia, taking you back to, as a kid, when football was fun and didn't drain your finances and your heart <laughs> and soul. And, 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 and yeah, back then we were a Premier League side, so if, if yep. it was good to think about those days. But you're right, you, you touch on the, the Hummel manufacturing uh, and the fact that we've both gone back to them. And I don't know about you guys, but we're so happy. Mm. You can see behind me, this is a template yeah. humour rubbish thing that we had. Mm. Um, had night for a couple of years. And again, it's, do you know what? A copy and paste for every other club in the division. And it was really annoying. Whereas Hummel seems to have come in, they've embraced the fans, they've embraced the tradition of the club. Mm. And, you know, they love a remake, don't they? They love a yeah. remake. And I'm, and I'm really excited to see what they do, you know, years to come. Well, we've got a, a really long deal with them. Um, and I know you guys have had some really quirky manufacturing. Were you the first guys that had Under Armour? Yeah, I think we were. I think we were. Yeah, maybe maybe Spurs did um, before. I'm not, I'm not sure. But, uh, I mean, yeah, it was, you know, it's interesting again when I was reflecting on that. Um, because, again, they, they, I, th- I think they've tried to, Under Armour tried to be, that, you know, to be fair, I mean, they weren't, we did have stripes and things like that. So it wasn't like they went totally off piece, but it was a bit over-engineered. And sometimes you just want a simple football shirt. You know, we're we're a team that play in red and white stripes. That's what we want. Um, ironically, ironically, you're going to ask me a question in a minute. I'm going to totally contradict that. But ultimately, that is that is kind of what we want. And uh, I think that's what Hummel do. As you say, sim- simplify it. They think about the, the traditions of the club. And, you know, the kit we got at the moment, um, I think it's really, really smart. And, you know, there's lots of Saints fans wearing it, which there weren't when we had Under Armour. See, I really like the current shirt. It's, you know, from from what I've seen in pictures, it looks like it's got the chevrons in the stripes going down. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because there was some conjecture at the start of the season about the fact that the chevrons were going in a down direction, which obviously wasn't particularly <laughs> ideal as a football club. <laughs> and I, I do seem to remember you having like an all red number, like very. Yeah, when we first came up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and like that's not a Southampton shirt, like you say. An identity for, for me as an outsider, I look at Southampton, it's red and white stripes, mm-hmm. you know, black shorts, white socks. Yeah, yeah, that, that's how I picture Southampton. Um, I'm guessing it's this question that um, is going to be where you can write this, and this is where I think you're going to be similar to me. Your favorite shirt of all time, yeah. So, 
as I say, I, I think for me, you know, as a, a club that traditionally wears red and white stripes, it was weird to say that my favourite shirt of all time, and again, following Saints 35 years, is the 2010-11 home shirt, which was just a white shirt with a red sash across it. You think of yes. Peru. Um, and the reason for that is sort of twofold. So that shirt kind of was our 125th anniversary. So 2010 was, our, you know, we were formed in 1885. So it was a sort of um, a throwback to that first ever kit that we wore in 1885, which obviously was a nice touch. But I think probably linked to that, we had such a successful season. That was the season we got promoted from League One into the Championship. You know, we had some great players, Adam Lalana, Ricky Lambert, Morgan Schneidlin, Calvin Davis, players like that, Jose Fonte, you know, and I think it was such an enjoyable season as well that you sort of put the two together and think, you know, that is a season that I remember for, so many good reasons um so yeah so for me that was like my favorite shirt of all time and i've still got it somewhere um you know yeah yeah i remember that shirt it was really nice so remember things at the time all a bit different and then when yeah. you look into it um we spoke to a qpr fan um a week or so ago um and Clive was saying you know they've always been like the blue and white hoops um but whenever they do like a specialist sort of shirt always always feels a bit nice Although saying that, we we wore a specialist shirt against QPR and lost. So, um, <laughs> not a fan of wearing them. Um, no. and, and Arsenal did recently, didn't they? They were running a campaign, weren't they? About, uh, I think it was Knife Crime in London, wasn't it? And they wore that all white kit at yeah, uh, Forest, which again looked very classy. And more importantly, the story behind it was uh, um, something that I think we can all, um, you know, really appreciate. However, they still lost the game. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And to be fair, I was watching that game. And the only reason I watched it was because the FA Cup draw was on at the same time, <laughs> which, which leads us to this. Um, we've, we've touched on the current shirt. I, I really like the away strip, the, mm. is it the yellow one. Yeah. I, I think that's really nice. Um, so when I said previously about um, we could be similar, I don't really like home shirts. It sounds really weird. Your identity as a Coventry fan is we wear sky blue. Never really been a fan of home shirts. I always prefer away shirts. So. Mm. Um, that's why I always find it intriguing. Um, we've got to talk about the game, you know, we, we, we've skirted around it a little bit. Um, you guys are in a, a bit of good form at the minute. Um, getting the draw at home against Man City, the fake Sky Blues. Must um, <laughs> buy you with confidence. You've got players like Ward Prowse scoring 35 yard free kicks, which I'm dreading. Um, <laughs> you know, exciting young players, bro, however, a mental. Really, really good squad at the minute. Um, what's your thoughts on the current season? How, how well are you doing? And the upcoming um, clash of titans, shall we say, um, between ourselves, Coventry City and Southampton? Yeah, I think in terms of the season, um, you know, we're, we're trending in the right direction. I think for Saints, um, like many clubs these days, you know, apart from the the big boys, the the number one um, objective is staying in the Premier League. You know, that's what we have to focus on doing. We lost, as you mentioned earlier, Danny Ings in the summer. We lost Vestergaard in the summer. We lost Ryan Bertrand in the summer. You know, all experienced Premier League players. So, yet again, Ralph Hasenhutl has found himself having to rebuild the team, Neil. Um, and we've kind of built a, a good now a blend of, of mix of sort of youth and experience. Um, we've got... You know, players that have been around for a while, like Fraser Forster, like Oriol Romeo, um, Nathan Redmond, players like that. But then we've got some really exciting youngsters coming through. Mohamed Salasu, you know, fantastic-looking uh, defender, had a brilliant game against City. Um, Tino Livermento, who's out injured at the moment, probably won't play against you guys. But 
Again, we signed him in the, the summer from Chelsea. He looks to have a really, really bright future ahead of him. There's a lot of talk around Armando Brozier at the moment, who's been playing up front, who again, you know, is on loan from Chelsea. Um, and I think, you know, Saints fans, unfortunately, we, you know, like all fan bases, we have this element of what I would call the the sort of um, the FIFA generation that expect to win every game, you know, and the manager loses a couple of games, he's got to go, that sort of thing. And actually, for those of us with a, a few more grey hairs, I think you appreciate that, that Saints are a club that, you know, will always take one step backwards to take two steps forward. And it's kind of felt like we've been on that journey the, the last couple of years. But I have a lot of respect for the manager. I've been lucky enough to interview him a couple of times. You know, a really, really nice guy. Very, very hardworking. You watch him on the touchline, you can see how much passion he's got, both for the club, but also for his team that are out there fighting for him. So... I think for Saints, you know, we got to the semi-final of the FA Cup last year. We didn't do ourselves justice. They always talk as a as a club about wanting to have good cup runs. Um, to be fair, we lost to Car- uh, Carabao Cup and um, to Chelsea earlier this season on penalties. You know, they're in the final. No, no um, sort of um, disappointment there necessarily. So I think this is something that Saints will take seriously. Um, they put out a strong side against Swansea in the last round. Um, and I think if we can have a good cup run, if we can finish somewhere around about where we are now, 12th to 10th in the Premier League, it will be a good season. Um, and I think just talking about the game next week, you know, he's he's going to give debut to, to probably Thierry Small at left back. He's a 17-year-old. Um, we'll probably have Jan Valery playing at right back. He's 22. You know, he will blend some of the youngsters. Nathan Teller will probably play as well. So whilst he will take it seriously, I think he sees the cup as a really good opportunity to blood some of these youngsters um, alongside maybe a few more of the experienced players. And what I would say is Saints fans are... Um, you know, we're a knowledgeable bunch and I think we're a respectful bunch and we certainly don't expect to turn up and beat City 4-0, 5-0, like you said. I think it will always be a hard game. Saints have a habit of, you know, making the easy things look hard sometimes. So, um, you know, I'm sure it'll be a fantastic game. We did well against Swansea in the last round, albeit extra time, but we had 10 men. So, you know, the pressure's on us as I said at the start. Coventry have got nothing to lose. You know, we, we are there. We've got to come out and play as the Premier League team with... 5,000 fans shouting against us with a, a team with their tails up with nothing to lose. So there's a bit of pressure on Saints and they'll need to be able to deal with that. Yeah, uh, do you know what? I, I couldn't agree more. I think um, the words that I've seen banded around are free hit um, in, in terms of Cobb. We're coming down there, not expecting anything. Give it a go. One thing I will say is I'm glad the transfer window will be closed by the time we come down. Um because we've got a couple of hidden gems that I really don't want you guys finding out about before <laughs> transfer. Um, the likes of Gus Hamer, um, our Brazilian midfielder. He was born in Brazil, he's Dutch. Um, the, the, the song we sing, the lyrics don't work, that he's Dutch. Um, you know, great centre-half, Dom Hoyum. Um, good he was on Leila Pompey once, I think. So, um, so, yeah. I think he was, yeah. Yeah. So, you, you know, we, we've got some... Some, some real gems. Uh, I, I, I just, I just hope we do ourselves justice. Uh, and you know, I just said before, I think we're a really good game of football. Good to deliver a minute where we're playing because I really was really looking forward to seeing him. But Bro is someone that I've watched a few times, and he looks a real handful. Um, so intrigued to see how he goes. Just looking at the table as we're talking there, the one thing that jumped out at me: ten draws. Yeah. Um, is, is that we're in? Is that is, is that not been able to finish games off? Or I think it's it's probably been a little bit of that. I mean, I think Brighton scored a 98th minute equaliser against us, which was frustrating. Leicester, um, we had the lead and then lost it. But actually, you look at those draws. You know, we've drawn against Man City twice this season. There won't be many teams that go unbeaten against Man City. So to draw away and draw at home, uh, we drew with Man United at home. We drew with Spurs at home. 
Um, so, you know, some of those draws are actually, we drew a West Ham at home, you know, so some of those draws are actually what I would almost see points gained against what we would normally get in a season. So you're right, maybe that has been the challenge for Saints is turning some of those draws into wins. But on the other hand, I think off the top of my head, I think we've only lost six games this season, maybe seven. So out of 22. So again, we haven't lost loads of games either. So what I would say from drawing lots of games is at least you're competitive, at least you're in them. And, you know, hopefully mm-hmm. over, over time, some of those draws will become wins, you know, whether it's this season or next season. Yeah, and, and, and like you say, you, you're building, you're, you're building on something. Um, touched on the, the the fact a minute ago that the transfer window's still open. Are you guys still open for business? Is there, is there rumours of anyone coming in? Or? Yeah, I, I think Saints, are, are, you know, obviously recently been taken over again. So I think um, there's, a, again, you know, it's this modern fan base. I think, oh, we're going to be spending 20, 30, 40, 50 million. Um, Saints are a sensible club. You know, they always have a long-term plan. They don't tend to spend lots of money in January, Neil, if I'm honest. So I think there's there's been some rumours around about Deli Ali possibly joining on loan. He's good friends with Carl Walker Peters, who plays for us. Um, I don't think that'll happen. If I'm honest, I think his wages will be too high for us. And um, there's talk of trying to make Brozier's move um, permanent, but I think again, Chelsea are probably quite keen to leave him here for the rest of the season, see how he gets on, and then no doubt someone like a West Ham will pay stupid money for him in the summer, that sort of thing. So I'd be surprised if anything happened between now and the game. But I think Saints have said. You know, if, if the opportunity arises for someone and it, it feels like the right move, that they will obviously try and do something. But I'm sure all clubs say that, don't they? Just to keep their fans engaged. Hundred percent. Well, they're saying that we seem to be the opposite. Mark Robbins came out and said we were doing no business in January. <laughs> and two days later, we saying we signed Jake Bidwell, and you go, oh, yeah. oh okay, um, which is weird enough. Um, the one thing I did want to touch on um, is your academy. Mm. Um, is one of the best academies in the country. I, I think that's a, a, a fair comment. You, we, we've touched on Adam Lallana coming through, uh, Luke Shaw, Oxlade Chamberlain, Walcott, Gareth Bale. Some unbelievable talents coming through. Um, some that Coventry have, have, have taken off you, which, which you know we'll come to later. Yeah. Um, you, you said Ralph will potentially play a couple in, in that game as well. Is that something that you think is part of the philosophy of the club that, that it needs to be integral? Yeah. Um, to, to have that sort of proven track record to get these players produced, get them into the first team and, and play them regularly. Yeah, totally. And and I think it's something that, um, if I'm honest, the previous regime before, you know, the current manager, the current board really took their eye off. We had a, you know, probably, as you say, maybe 10 years ago now, we had a really, really good um, group of players coming through. I, I won't go through the names again. You've mentioned some of them there. And those players came into the first team and then we sold Luke Shaw to United for 30 million and we sold Adam Lallana to Liverpool for 25 million and all that sort of thing. And what we then decided to do is actually we've got lots of money coming in now. Why don't we try and buy some players that are already pretty much two thirds developed and we'll develop them. Sadio Mane came in, we bought him for 12 million, sold him for 36. Virgil van Dijk paid 11 million, sold him for 75 million. So and and I think then what happened, it was like, oh, OK, well, we can do it that way. Right. Why We've got more money coming in now. Why don't we try and look at the 15 to 20 million market and try and develop them? So then you're trying to sign players at three quarters developed. And the problem you then hit. Um, so thinking of some players that we signed, Neil, Guido Carrillo, Mario Lamina, Wesley Hoyt, players like that. They haven't got the right attitude. It's like, you know, they've they've already to a certain extent, being there and done it. I've got nothing to prove. I've got nothing to develop. I'm not interested. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested in getting my 60, 70 grand a week. And as we went through that process, 
what do we do? We totally neglected the academy. You know, we forgot all about it. Ronald Koeman, actually, to be fair, who's one of the, the best managers we've had in terms of, you know, really enjoying the football. He wasn't interested in the academy. He was interested in the first team. That's my product. That's what I'm worried about. How do I make that the best it can be? He barely ever went to watch first team, um, to, went to watch academy games and things like that as well. So we, we went through a sort of real glut where I think the only player that really came through and, and sort of made a, a decent impact was Matt Target, who ironically we then sold to Aston Villa. So at the moment, James Ward-Prowse is pretty much the only player that has come through, you know, that is established in the side. And I think just going back to your original question, what the current regime and Ralph have tried to do, they introduced about 18 months ago what they called the SFC playbook. And it's pretty much a, a sort of blueprint for players coming in at the academy, um, how they train, how they work in the gym, how they eat, you know, all those sort of things, almost to like mirror what the B team do and then what the first team do. So as they now go through the process, when they go into the B team, they know exactly what to do. They're ready. They can progress. And then when they're in the B team, likewise, up into the first team. So I think we all know the longer that Saints are in the Premier League, the harder it's going to be for players to establish themselves in the first team. But I think what they've done now is put in place a structure again, which means the academy is kind of underpinning everything we're trying to do. And for me as a Saints fan, and, you know, there's lots of fans out there, I'm sure lots of commentary fans, that's what you want to see. You want to see your youngsters coming through. And, you know, if that's a third of your team and you can say five or six graduates, you know, I think it's a really fantastic uh, um, sort of reward for the hard work that goes on at that level. Oh, 100%. Um, you know, one thing that, that we as a club really pride ourselves on is our uh, our academy. The fact that we, we've got lads in the first team, Jordan Shipley uh, uh, is the key example at the minute who was with us in League Two, League One, in the Championship. And you, you look through the um, you look through the Premier League that there's plenty of players that have come through Coventry's academy. James Madison, Callum Mills. Mm. You know these um, these sort of players that, that, that have gone on and done it. Um, one thing I don't think we've done well enough is, is utilise the loan system, and I know that's something that we touched on the, the transfer window. I've noticed a couple of your guys go out on loan um, yeah. recently. Um, I'm going to butcher his name now. An Undulu down at Cheltenham. Yeah, down in Lindley. Yeah, yeah, it's a hard one. I've done well there. <laughs> um, I, I know there's um, the defender Simo's just gone to Carlisle. Yeah, Simo's just gone to Carlisle United the last couple of days. Yeah, and 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 they're great breeding grounds for for, the, for these young kids. Just to because, like you say, the, the Premier League's not the place to learn your craft. Um, you know, to, to, to get through and, and do that. Um, it's good. To, it's good to see that that's happening. Um, where's Oberfemi at the minute? He- uh, so he he joined Swansea last um, last summer, I think it was, if not January, I think it was last summer. So he went and he went down there. He played against us in the last round of the cup, actually. But uh, again, you know, a, a player that sort of showed in glimpses what he could do. But I think again, his his sort of physicality had issues with injuries. And I think, you know, someone that probably enjoyed going out a little bit too much in Southampton on Saturday night that maybe he should have done. And again, you know, going back to the manager, he's not someone that takes people lightly if they're not professional. I think, you know, he probably gave him a couple of chances and I think felt he's not going to make it. We'll ship, we'll ship him on. Yeah, no, no, I, I can see that. Um, it's, look, I, I'm, I'm looking at you as well as we're talking just to kind of um, r- r- remind myself of the task at hand. Um, I keep forgetting Shane Long's still playing. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, he doesn't score, so don't worry. Uh, to be fair, he scored the winner in the last round, but I think that's his first goal in about 100 years, so don't worry. <laughs> and what did it feel like as a Saints fan when Theo Walcott rejoined after all those years? Was it, a, was it a nice touch? 
you, you were talking earlier, weren't you, about the player that, uh, is it Goikaris or whatever, that you, you, you yeah. gave the song to and then he didn't score for 15 games. Um, Theo Walcott came in alone and actually did really, really well. And like I think it was good to have him back and yeah, the fans enjoyed having him around. Uh, but it was alone and it was almost like, oh, well, we've got nothing to lose here. We then offered him, uh, you know, I assume multi-thousand-pound deal for two years and he's been pretty much injured since. So it's kind of the same scenario. So um, he's not done it this season. We've had a couple of opportunities, um, you know, that he should have scored and he's he's fluffed his lines a bit. Um, you know, Theo is a good lad. Again, someone that came through our academy. I think, again, you know, I, I like lots of Saints fans, I have a lot of respect for him and the journey he's been on. But it doesn't feel like he is is really offering much to the squad at the moment. And hopefully he can turn it around. He's still got 18 months to go. But uh, at the moment, you know, I would say that there's, there's four or five players in most of the positions that he would be suitable for that are kind of ahead of him in the pecking order the, the nostalgia's there that's the main thing <laughs> um, we've touched on some, some some great Saints players and great Saints sides um, I, I remember the, the, the Premier League I want to say glory years of Matt Letizier, um James Beattie I remember that side with, with Beattie and Marion Bahars yeah. some of those players you went for a stage a couple of years ago as well, where it seemed like you you were unbeatable with Schneidel on the side, um, Pella, Pella, mm. Pella up front. Yeah, yeah, Pella. Yeah. You even brought that Italian maverick in. Um, <laughs> the best. I mean, if you if, if one of your questions, Neil, was who's the best looking footballer you've ever seen for Southampton, Graziano Pella is that man. So. <laughs> I think I think I'd agree with that. <laughs> um, you know, some fantastic players and some great football. But what are your happiest memories, you know, watching the Saints? Yeah, so I, I've got my two here, which I hope I'm allowed, not not just yeah, one. Awesome. But, uh, um, look, I mean, every, every football fan, right, wants to see their team win at Wembley, don't they? I think that's that's sort of up there. And, you know, it's, it's been kind of a, a good butt of jokes, which I'll come on to in a minute. But uh, 2010, ironically, the season uh, before we were wearing the sash kit, 2009-2010, uh, we won the Johnson's Paint Trophy. Now, again, you know, there'll be lots of um, Premier League fans that chuckle at that. I think, you know, that's nothing. But actually, for a club like us... Um, you know, to to win a trophy, we won four one against Carlisle at Wembley. It was a fantastic day out. I think, I think the attendance was off the top of my head sixty thousand, of which forty five thousand were Saints fans. You know, I mean, it was a a big turnout. And for me, you know, seeing the team win there, I don't care that it was the Johnson's Paint Trophy. You know, we've been to places like the Etihad since, and the City fans singing, you know, Champions of Europe. You'll never sing that, and all that sort of thing. And you know, we we were retort with Johnson's Paint Trophy. You'll never win that. You know, and it's it's amazing. It's a it's a really good sort of opportunity. So I think that's one of the things. And then the second thing, as I mentioned at the start, you know, my first sort of real memory of football was probably around 1989, just before Italia 90. Um, and we all remember the World Cup out there in England, obviously losing on penalties. If you said to me then that one day you will see Southampton Football Club play in the San Siro, I probably would have laughed at you. Um, yeah, under Ronald Koeman, we got into Europe um, and we got drawn in the same group as into Milan. And uh, 2016, I think it was October, I, I actually took my, my wife and children. We went for the whole week and went and did Lake Como and all that sort of thing. Went to the game on the Thursday night at the San Siro. There was about 8,000 Saints fans. I mean, it was probably only about a third full because, um, again, you'll probably remember, but Inter were kind of under some restrictions around the players they could play and things like that. So there wasn't really the interest from the locals. Um, Saints did what, what they always do. They play really, really well. Um, you know, should have won. Inter Milan have one shot on target. We lost one nil. Classic Saints. So, uh, but just to be there and to, I remember stepping out of the taxi and just seeing this concrete jungle in front of me. Went the next day and did the tour and all that sort of thing. I mean, it was phenomenal. And I, I think to see Saints play in Europe, Yes, they lost, but it was just fantastic to, to be out there and see them in such a, you know, a world-renowned football stadium. So they're probably my two happiest memories, I think. 
you, you, you touched on two things there. The Johnson's paint, we won it. The season, we, we got relegated from League One, but we won it. It was the checker trade when we won it. Played yeah. Oxford. Um, and I remember on the day thinking, we're going to get bad. We, we, we're going to get relegated. So it weren't great. I said, I just want... I One, I never thought I'd see Coventry at Wembley in my lifetime. And two, I don't, I don't think we'd score a goal when we were there. <laughs> so, so to win, I, I'm not ashamed to say, as a, a, a bloke who was in his late 20s at the time, I cried my eyes out at the final whistle. There was guys around me that were crying as they were walking out to the pitch. So, yeah. um, again, we've had the same retort to fans with, Check a trade, you'll, you'll never see that. Um, in Europe, what I'd give to go to the middle of Hungary on a Thursday night to watch Kov play. The closest we get to European tours, Newport or Cardiff away. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. We went to Newport at the start of the season and beat them 8-0, so that wasn't quite the same, but yeah, exactly. That. Yeah, but that's the closest we'll get, and I'm, I'm sure that's got to be up there for any fan of any club, you know, to see your club either at the National Stadium, which, you know, w- w- we've both been privileged to do, regardless of the tra- the competition. Mm. It, it, it is what it is. Um, you've had better times. You've got to an FA Cup final. so uh... <laughs> Not in my lifetime, though. Oh, no, that was in Cardiff, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 2003, sorry. Yeah, big part. Sorry, I thought yeah. you meant win the FA Cup. But yeah, 2003, you're right. Yeah, we went to, I went down to that. We lost 1-0 to Arsenal, yeah. And was that under Gordon Strachan? It was, yeah. Legend. Ooh, yeah, he's all right. We'll get on to Gordon. Um, yeah, you know, you've got to both national stadiums, I'm saying in the word commas there, um, because it was for a little bit. Um, and then to, to go on Europe, oh, that's the dream. That's the dream that I want. Um, I touched on some of those players before, you know, Pele, uh, Daniel Svado, some of those players coming in. How exciting was the football around that sort of time? Um, was that sort of worth the doldrums of League One, as it were. Yeah, I think, I think you know, that's the frustration, I think, for lots of Saints fans is we, that, that season under Ronald Keeman when we finished sixth was probably my most enjoyable season. I mean, we literally turned up every week thinking we were going to win, you know, which is a Southampton fan, probably like Comanche, you know, due, due respect when you're in the Premier League, you don't expect. Um, and then he obviously got the money, big money move to Everton, um, Ronald Keeman did in the, the summer and it's kind of walked out on us a little bit. Um, and it felt like, that was almost sort of the end of an era to a certain extent because a lot of those players that had bought into him, you know, then left. You know, Manny was sold, Pella we let go, um, Tadic went to, to Ajax the following season. You know, there's some fantastic players that we had. Van Dijk obviously went eventually. And, um, you know, it was frustrating, but I think I'll go back to what I said earlier. It's appreciating that, you know, Southampton will always be a stepping stone club. You know, that's kind of how we attract some of those players. Come in, prove yourself with us for a couple of years. We'll sell you on. You'll get your big move, that sort of thing. And it's almost like I think we've become ingrained now with appreciating that we need to appreciate those players while they're here. And we've probably got a generation of that at the moment. You know, Danny Ings, we didn't necessarily expect to lose, but at least we've enjoyed him for three, four years as a Southampton fan as he is. Um, and I think you just realise the older you get as a football fan that football moves on and you can't fall in love with players um, because they will move on and they will let you down. And, uh, you know, I think you appreciate that. So, yeah, it was frustrating to go through that and to sort of lose that team because, it, you know, you did feel that that following season, potentially they could have gone on to bigger and better things. But everything happens for a reason, doesn't it? I suppose yeah. whilst we once we dipped a bit since then, we're kind of on our way up again now. Yeah, exactly that. And I, I think... You know, we've we've touched on it a little bit. You know, twelfth league, 10, ten to twelve. I think 
is acceptable for, for a club for a club your size. Um, you know, someone say six is over, uh, overachieving, depending on how much money is being thrown around by other clubs. Not necessarily. Um, uh, and the stepping stone, I, I, I think, is a very apt sort of um, description. If you look at the last ten years of Southampton, especially from an outsider, Pochettino coming in, going to Spurs, taking Wanyama with him, taking Hoiberg, um, you know, obviously the stuff with Liverpool. It's got to be so frustrating, like you say, knowing that you're that close to really building something special and then the rug gets pulled out from underneath a little bit. Yeah, totally. I mean, it is, it is. But I think, you know, as I go back to, to what I said, I mean, being a Saints fan for 35 years, like, you know, I'm sure with all due respect, again, like the same commentary, you, you appreciate its ups and downs, you know, and I think you you have to understand. And, you know, I think we went through that period under Keeman of, of almost telling each other as fans, you know, we need to enjoy this. It won't last forever. So, again, you know, I, I think I don't you, you look back now and yes, it was disappointing at the time, the same as it was when we ruthlessly snapped Nigel Atkins and then bought in Pochettino the same day, you know, and all that sort of thing. And the, the space that that left in Saints fans mouths with someone that had given a hundred percent and deserved a bit more of a chance, but didn't get it. Um, but you look back now and think, well, you know, it happened. We can't change it. We just need to sort of enjoy it while it was there. And, you know, a good times will come again. So it is a roller coaster, isn't it? Football. And I think it's appreciated. Yeah. And as I say, as you get older, that not to get so emotionally attached. And I think I've, try to do that you know the same with whether it's results whether it's players leaving whatever just realizing that someone else will come along and we'll win a game again soon yeah 100 percent. and I, I think we can sit here having been down the leagues and experienced that it does make you appreciate where the club is now you know we're flowing with the playoffs we won't finish up there um there's, there's bigger clubs with bigger budgets but i went to forest green I went to Mansfield, I went to Knox County, you know, and with all due respect to those clubs, that season in League Two, and I'm I'm sure we'll we'll, we'll touch on this, when you guys were in League One, Southampton away was probably every club's Mm Wembley that that year. Every away end was packed out every single time, and the the players, the opposition players seemed more up for it. And it makes it... Sunderland are experiencing a minute in, yeah. in League One. Um, Ipswich to an extent. These big clubs that have fallen on hard times that have got a target on their back because of their history. Mm. Um, I've touched on League One there. I, I, I'm guessing that's got to be up there with um, the lowest point being the same time. Yeah, I mean, certainly when we first went down there, we were on minus 10, you know, so I, I don't think that was great because we'd gone into administration. And you're right, I mean, I remember standing or sitting in the uh, sort of scaffolded end at Gillingham, getting hailed on, losing 2-1, you know, it was pretty <laughs> gloomy day. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think because we we had a, a new owner then, we had some really, really good players, um, Dean Hammond, we had Lana, as I said, you know, Lambert, um, players sort of, you know, that, that made it exciting to watch and we won a lot of games over those two seasons. I mean, even though we were on minus 10, we we finished just outside the playoffs. So we had a really good season. And then the following season, we managed to come up in second behind Brighton. So, um, you know, actually, I think lots of Saints fans really enjoyed that time, Neil, because we won so many games. It was exciting football. We were scoring lots of goals. I mean, you know, spending a million pound on Ricky Lambert, who scored off the top of my head 110 in 220. You know, I mean, phenomenal player, banging yeah. goals in every week. So, um, ironically... 
you know, I think it was an enjoyable time. But yeah, I mean, my my lowest memory, I mean, again, you touched on it earlier with a uh, certain individual that was at Portsmouth that I can't really talk about. But uh, yeah, I mean, that 0405 season, you know, it's the only time we've been relegated from the Premier League in my lifetime. It was such a bad season um, under um, Harry getting, you know, losing on the last day of the season at home to Man United, knowing that you were going down. I think, you know, certainly I, I had tears and I would have been, what, 23, 24 years old then. And uh, you do feel like, you know, it's over. You do feel like it's a long journey back. You know, how long is it going to take us? You've seen so many great clubs go down to the Championship, go down to League One. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there were so many times during that season. I remember playing Everton off the park. Um, you know, we were actually brilliant. You know, we had Peter Crouch and Henri Kamara up front and all over them. And then they scored, I think it was the 97th minute equaliser to make it two. And, you, you know, they should never got anything from that game. You just kind of knew that the, the right was on the wall almost. So I think the lowest point for me as a Saints fan was was getting relegated actually from uh, the Premier League, despite the fact that we, you know, went into administration later on. That was the real sort of gut wrencher. Well, I remember at the time, again, being an outsider looking in and... I'm going to use this term with the utmost respect. Southampton become a bit of a laughing stock that season. Mm-hmm. You know, appointing Harry, who was your local rivals manager, yeah. and then he went straight back there not long after. Mm. Um, you turned into a bit of a retirement home. You know, we brought Jamie went back in, which yeah, he played three games in five years or something daft like that <laughs> at that point. Um, Clive, so Clive Woodward, I love rugby. Clive Woodward is a hero to me. Why was he ever brought into a football club? I'll yeah. never know. In fact, like Rupert Lowe just got bored uh, and was just kind of experimenting, but not in a good way. <laughs> it, that must have been tough, you know. Or, 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 fair enough, it's bad enough on the field when you're losing and you're down at the bottom. But when you see that sort of circus act going on behind the, behind the scenes, that's got to be demoralising. Yeah, totally. Um, I think, you know, I, I don't think there's many Saints fans around that have much respect for Mr. Lowe. Um, I need to be careful what I said because the last thing, time I said something about him on a podcast, I ended up having to ring up and apologise him. So it was all a bit awkward. So we'll, we'll quickly move on from that one. But uh, um, yeah, I think, you know, it Sorry, was, yeah, there was lots, I mean, there was lots of jokes around at the time about, oh, you know, down at Staplewood, they're going to take the goals out and put rugby posts up and all that sort of thing. But uh, as weird as it sounds, when they actually appointed Harry, because we'd had, I think, Steve Wigley until then, he yeah. was again, a coach that had come in and, done a good job as a coach and then wasn't really a manager and actually when they brought Harry in I think my immediate thought was okay well we've got someone here with some experience he's a football manager he knows what he's doing um, but I think quite quickly you could just tell that all of the cards were kind of stacked against us it wasn't going to work out and it's it I wouldn't say it got ugly but it was more uh, inevitable I think it's probably the better word and you're yeah. right I mean the sooner those people sort of moved on from the club Harry Clive and uh and Reaper, I think it gave us a chance to then kind of sort of rebuild and uh, almost start the journey again. So, yeah, it was a pretty dark and depressing time. See, you, you touched on the Pompey Derby earlier, and I remember um, that season. I, I can't remember if it was... Yeah, yeah you went to Fratton Park when he was manager, didn't you? Manager. Yeah, we, we lost 4-1. Yeah, and I remember the police escort and, mm. and all sorts, which that shows you, you know, how, how much victory was there. Um, who was it coming? Was it Paul Sturrock that came in after? Uh, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think he came yeah. in in the March. So I think, I think, I think off the top of my head, I think Steve Wigley may have taken over as caretaker again, and then Paul Sturrock came in in, uh, in March. And ironically, again, we we'd not been uh, very good. Um, I'm trying to think. 
actually no, I think he was before that. I think he came in after Strachan. I think because we'd been relegated, it was then uh, George Burley that had come in. Right. Okay. Some big names. Some big names there. Um, and um, you, you touch on administration. You know, losing points, all the stuff going on behind the scenes. A plot that a lot of clubs can feel sympathy with. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to cheer things back up a little bit now. Yeah, I think you're slumping in your seat. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's something you touched on before. You have just been taken over mm. uh, by uh, Serbian. Yep, that's yeah, that's right. Get in. Did my research well. Um, Surely that's got to put all that sort of. You've now got to think that that's behind you. You know, you've got a nice stable ground in, um, and and the only way is up. Excuse the cheesy pun. Yeah, no, totally. I, I think um, it's it's an exciting time. I, I think um, our previous owner, Mr. Gao, who was a Chinese businessman, had been in in place for a couple of years, and I think to be fair to him, I think the government in China kind of changed their rules between when he first took over and then you know not really wanting money to leave the country so whether he wanted to invest or not I don't think he could but one positive thing is that he didn't take money out of the club so we kind of ran sustainably which is you know when we sell players we can invest it and that sort of thing so I wouldn't necessarily say positive things about him as an owner but I wouldn't necessarily you know we're, we're quick to criticize a lot of things in football and I don't think I would do that but I think in terms of the new owner they've been trying to sell the club for a couple of years um it's 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 almost um, a deal that the club have driven with these people rather than the other way around. So I think they feel comfortable that it's a good partnership. Um, one of the three individuals is Rasmus Ankerson, who's just joined from Brentford. He was kind of pivotal as their director of football um, up through their journey. So, you know, again, whilst I think he's going to be slightly more satellite with Saints in terms of overseeing this investment group rather than managing Saints, you know, there's some real sort of football pedigree there that he can kind of share with the club. Um, but I think, you know, um, Dragon, who's the owner, has, has been quite quick to say he's not a he's not a Saudi sheikh. You know, he's not got hundreds of millions of pounds that we're going to throw, you know, Chris Wood or something like that. So I think Saints, <laughs> Saints fans realise that um, we will probably be quite methodical and calm in our approach. But what it should mean is that we can be a bit more competitive now, both in trying to keep players, but also then, you know, if a club says... Um, we want 25 million for him rather than us having to shop in that 15 million pounds Shea Adams, Adam Armstrong market. Maybe we can now spend 25 million to get someone in. So I think um, alongside investing money through the club, the women's game is something that we're very really, um, important. We're trying to get the, the women's team up into the, the top tier and they got a bit of work to do. But um, there's lots of things that could do with some investment in the club. And I think hopefully now that will provide those opportunities. Brilliant. It, it, it's really good to see, you know, uh... But it leads into the connections a little bit. We touched on the CISO, um <laughs> potential takeover. How close did that get? Yeah, from memory, I think it was fairly close. I think I can't remember the reasons why it didn't happen. Um, you know, again, without um, sort of sounding um, funny and sarcastic. I mean, obviously, I'm glad it didn't happen, but I appreciate the company I'm speaking to um, is kind of a bit of a sore issue. So, um, but look, I mean, as I said earlier in football, everything kind of happens for a reason, doesn't it? And it obviously wasn't meant to be Sisu for us, um, you know, and we were very lucky a bit later on to obviously then get Marcus Lieber, um, who, who, you know, um, I think Saints fans took to very quickly. So, yeah, from memory, Neil, I can't remember exactly either how close it got or why it didn't work out, but um, certainly it, certainly it was close, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to get a little bit of stick from any club fans listening to this now because I think we've turned the corner with CISO as owners. Um, everyone's seen the bad that they did, you know, take us to Northampton, 
Birmingham. Um, I didn't get just just a, just an, a, another tour. Um, didn't really invest, but I think when we got to League Two, and they seen that we still turn up in numbers. League Two playoff final, we took 46,000 down to Wembley. I genuinely think they went, hang on a minute, we've got we've got the makings of something here, and they've invested a bit more. And obviously, they've backed Mark Robbins. We've got us back into the championship, playing some attractive stuff. We're paying fees for people, which we haven't done for years. You know, you're talking twenty five million. I'd take a million at the minute, <laughs> um, but but still, you know, it's it's progress. We, we yeah, but from where we were relying on loans and free transfers and. At one point, we, we were a retirement home. Um, you know, to, to see us turn that corner it, it, it is brilliant. Um, the main connection between our clubs, I think the person we have to touch on is Gordon Strachan. Um, mm. Gordon was in charge when I became a cop. Well, he came, he, he was a player manager uh, as I was coming into really understanding football and becoming a cop fan. Um, this little ginger guy um, running around angry. Um, <laughs> But we played some brilliant stuff, you know. We had Big Dion and Darren Hockby up front. Um, some, some really exciting players. And I was gutted when he left. But I was really happy that he got another premiership move. And he came out to you guys. Um, what were what your memories of the Strachan administration, as it were? Yeah, I, I think first and foremost, his character. I think, you know, you, you, you can Google now anywhere, can't you? Gordon Strachan, sort of one-liners and things like that. I, th- I think the first question he got asked, asked in the press conference of Saints is, can you keep Saints up or something like that? And he said, no. And then there was obviously a silence and he was like, well, if you're going to ask stupid questions, I'm going to give stupid answers, you know, that sort of thing. And I think straight away and, I, I you know, the, the thing about him is he's he's characterful, but I think passionate as well. You could see that on the touchline, you know, he's a, as you say, a fiery Scotsman um, and I think got the best out of the players that he had. We went again, you know, on a really, really good run over that sort of 12, 18 months. And it was sad when he decided that he wasn't going to sort of carry on um, because he built a really good rapport with Saints fans. I think, you know, he's, as far as I know, I think he still lives just in, in Warsash, so just outside the city, you know, is still based down in Southampton. And uh, I think, um, you know, made made it home. But yeah, a really, really good, honest, hardworking manager. And I think that's what you, you want to see as a football fan. And I think, you know, there's nothing worse than when you lose a game. And we've had it recently with you know Mark Hughes of the world and Maurizio Pellegrino's of the world defending the players and you know oh, they're giving their all they're trying their best you know it's clear they're not and I think for someone like him to come out and go we're rubbish you know he's not doing his job you know he needs to get better that's what you want to hear and I think it was no sort of coincidence that a, a manager and a character like Gordon Strachan got the sort of performances and character out of the team that he did so and, and as you said earlier going get into the FA Cup final you know really really good run I'm surprised I should have said it earlier, actually, but uh, that semi-final win at Villa Park over Watford 2-1, again, a fantastic day out, um, you know, and that was very much something that he'd helped to drive. Yeah, 100%. He gets a bit of a bad rap from Cole fans. Obviously, he was in charge when we got relegated from the Premier League over 20 years ago now. Jesus, where <laughs> that just hit me like a rock. Um, but you look at the politics of it, players were getting sold behind his back from, you know, it felt like he kind of had the rug swept from, from underneath him, so... You know, I think as I've grown older, I've understood that and, and kind of understand that a bit more. But there's two players I've got to touch on that, that he brought with him. Um, his, his adopted son, Paul Taufer. Yeah. Love Tauf. Love Tauf. Um, I think he's still based down your way. Uh, right. down he's, I think he's got a toiling or plumbing business now. Right, right. Um, hates football, loves golf. <laughs> um, I've been involved in a couple of podcasts, managed to get hold of Tauf doesn't want to talk about his career, doesn't want to talk about football, 
that's something he did in the past. Yeah. Um, how, how did Tav get on with you guys? Do, do you know what? I, so, again, he, he was a very versatile player, wasn't he? I mean, one, one minute he'd be right mid, then he'd be centre mid, then he'd be right back, you know. Then I mean, he played all over the place, didn't he? But um, he, I, I can't say that he's... I mean, you'll be pleased to know he hasn't made my worst um, five-side team, so that's a positive. But what I would say is he was... He was one of those players, I said earlier, he kind of made the hard things look easy and the easy things look hard. You know, give a 10-yard pass and he'd kick it out for a throne or something like that. You know, he was frustrated. And I have to be honest, Neil, he's the only player I've ever seen in, in all the years I've been going to St Mary's, a corner getting pulled to the edge of the area, him having a shot and it actually hit the screen above the goal. I mean, that's how bad it was. He's the only player I've ever seen do that. So, um, so yeah, look, I mean, again, I wouldn't have a problem with Paul Tell for someone that tried his best. And, you know, I wouldn't say a, a bad thing against him, but he won't go down as sort of one of my greatest ever Saints players I've seen, to be honest. Yeah, he, he's not going to take this shirt anytime soon, is it? <laughs> um, Paul Williams came down um, as well, centre-half. I know his legs were probably on the way out by that point, um, but he was a stalwart for us. Um, I've, luckily enough, I've had the chance to interview him a couple of times. I met him a couple of months ago for the first time as well. And what a lovely, genuine bloke. And he, he spoke very highly of his, his time at Saints. Um, I, I, how did he come across to with, yeah. with you? Guys? I think Willow was someone that gave 100%. You know, he was never afraid to give a, a, a tackle and did a really good job in his time at the Saints. Again, you know, not a player that you would automatically think of, um, but someone that when he was there did a good job. And ironically, my first ever, we were talking about my first memory of football, my first ever away game that I went to see Saints was against Derby County at the baseball ground. We lost 6-2. Paul Williams was playing up front and scored a hat-trick. So you can ask him about that next time you see him. But uh, yeah, I mean, again, you know, someone that um, I think, you know, did a really good job generally playing with Klaus Lindebaum at the back. Um, you know, when he came in, you know, I can't ever remember a glaring mistake that he made. You know, I don't think the sort of player that uh, was nine nine out of ten, ten out of ten, but was always a solid seven out of ten. Yeah, I think um, at the time, I remember someone defining him as a sensible signing, mm. um, and I think that's the perfect sort of sort of example. And that's what managers want, isn't it? They want players yeah, they can trust. You know, so he's going to bring in players like those guys because they are players that he's worked with and he can trust. Yeah, exactly. It's Talf especially now. There's many a story of the Holy Trinity of Noel Eden, uh, Darren Huckabee, Dion Dublin being a little they bit. They always scored against us, those three. Yeah, but being a little bit of a handful. Um, Noel Eden's known for his time off the field as much as he is on it. Um, I could do a podcast about that. Um, <laughs> and Talf was his sort of guardian. Um, and I think that shows a lot that the gaffer obviously trusted him that much to kind of look after his star player, as it were. Um, there's a couple more Premier League gems that, that I've got to touch on. And one is, uh, he's one that comes up on these random Twitter accounts all the time. You see forgotten 90s players. Trond Eagle-Solvet. I had him written down here. Yeah, Trond Eagle-Solvet. So, uh, again, you know, a centre midfielder, wasn't he? Curly hair. Yeah, I remember him. So, uh, um, again, you know, I, I, I certainly... He was definitely playing when we were at the Dell, so that was quite a few years ago. So, uh, um, But, yeah, I had him written down here on my list, Neil. You'll be pleased to know. There was quite a few, actually, when you look back. I mean... Uh, yeah, David Speed. I mean, we were talking about Alan yeah. Shearer earlier, weren't we? We sold Alan Shearer for three million, and then spent that money on uh, Kerry Dixon and David Speedy. And whilst I think he scored quite a few goals for you, he wasn't very good for us. So. Nah, I, I think you got him on the way down. Um, <laughs> less said about Speedy with his recent <laughs> controversies, the better. Um, but yeah, again, what a striker he was. Chris Marsden's another one uh, that we had on trial. Turned him down 
And then he was brilliant for you guys. Yeah, he was. Yeah, in, in a sort of similar sort of era as Solbert, if I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And then he he was he was in the 2003 FA Cup run as well, so he was part of Strachan's team. But yeah, Chrissy Marsden, football genius, that used to be the chant around the St Mary's. So yeah, it's it's a shame because he's one of those players that I've always tried to locate for our podcast and have a chat to because he was a bit of a sort of idol mm. with fans, just you know, big bold head and roaring down the wing. It used to be him and Wayne Bridge on the left, but he's almost sort of. Um, I don't know, sort of a bit like the Scarlet Pimpernel sort of uh, disappeared into to the aura, really. So no idea where he is. But if he's listening, you know, fantastic player, 100%. They always normally have blood pouring out of his head or something like that. So, yeah, you know, proper old footballer. Boot. Yeah, yeah. old school. Black and white boots. Yeah. Shorts pulled up to his chest. Definitely, definitely <laughs> one of them. And there's a, there's a couple more older. Mickey Adams, obviously. Yeah, left back. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of time for you. He had a couple of spells in my as well. Um, t- Tim Flowers is just from right round the corner. Yeah, yeah. Um, I-, I know he he was um, quite um, successful with you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and then even through through recent years, there's there's some that have come up. Jack Hawk. I remember we had him on from Chelsea. Yeah. Um, and I-, I remember watching him for you guys. Um, I didn't know this until doing the research. Dennis Wise played for you guys. Dennis Wise did play for us. Yeah, I think he was joined manager for a bit i think him and uh jason dodd was it or something like that so uh yeah i think um yeah he, he wasn't someone i particularly remember fondly either <laughs> um we had him for a short spell and he was unbelievable um mm. but again his legs were gone i think he then got the millwall job but he, he's someone that will always be welcome Coventry for that short little spell um couple more Callum Davenport, you guys had on again, didn't know you had him alone. Came from our academy. What a he was a Rolls Royce of a centre half when he was with us. Um, obviously had his his issues later on in his career. Um, again, I don't remember him playing for Saints. Do you? Yeah, unfortunately. Why, why don't we hold on to Callum Davenport where we do my worst uh, five five aside team right, later okay, on? We'll so. <laughs> <laughs> we'll someone a bit more successful, Danny Fox. Yeah, Danny Fox, again, you know, solid sort of player, um, you know, had a sweet left foot, lots of crosses, um, part of our promotion team in, in certainly from the Championship into the Premier League. Um, I think he's still rooting around. Is he at Wigan now, somewhere like that? In the yeah, so, so he was at Forest a couple of years ago. I think he's at Wigan. Yeah. I love Danny. I thought he was brilliant. We brought him and Scott Danning from Warsaw um, uh, as a pairing, and he just... Really excited us, you know, like, like I said, that left foot, that dead ball delivery. Yeah. Such a good player. A um, couple of guys that we took from you, Leon Best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I had him down there, yeah. yeah. Sadly, what, a bit unpredictable, yeah. I was just about to say, depending on what day you speak to me, depends on what I say about Leon Best. <laughs> um, lovely guy, scored some good goals, but, yeah. Mm. Um, Lukas Djukovic. Yeah, he was because he, he he never actually played a senior game for us, did he? But um, he was born in Southampton. I think um, obviously, um, yeah. I mean, he's still doing well in the championship and he and scoring goals. So uh, yeah, again, you know, decent footballer he's turned out. But yeah, he was with us at youth level, but never played a um, senior prince. But yeah, he's someone out of my list. Yeah. Yeah, um, and there's three in the current side um, which we touched on. Um, Jack Stevens, we had unknown. Um, Joran, our ill-fated. League One season, but Tony Mowbray should have got us up, but bottled it. Um, and again, I thought it was a brilliant centre half. Didn't 
And I think he went straight. In, I think he made appearances for you guys the next season, which really. Yeah. So I didn't think he was ready, but obviously he's a staple of your side at the minute. Yeah. Um, homegrown. Uh, well, ironically, we signed him from uh, Plymouth Argyle Academy. Um, so he joined us when he was fairly young. I think, ironically, on day of recording with you, Neil, he's 28 today. I think we signed him when he was about 19. So he's been with us almost a decade. But again, going back to absolutely rubbish, uh, uneducated football chants, we were going through a phase of singing Jack Stevens, he's one of our own, which ironically he's not. So, <laughs> um, but so, yeah, um, yeah, he, he's kind of been in and out of the side this season. Um, but Jack Stevens is 100% and he's someone that I really like because he he shows total passion on the pitch he we, we're a very honest football team you know we we play against teams each week that throw themselves on the floor they're in the referee's ear all that sort of thing we don't do that the good thing about jack stevens is he doesn't do the rolling around on the floor but he's always in the referee's ear and things like that and you need a few of them in your team so a lot of respect for jack stevens of course, of course. um chair dumps came for our academy um obviously doing well for you guys yeah i'm one of your most recent signings adam armstrong we had him on loan for a season and wow, what a talent he looked like he had. And then he he, he went on, Blackburn was was great there. Um, I don't think he's hit the ground running as such for you guys, has he? No, but- I mean, he's, he's a player that I think when you appreciate football, you kind of, you watch players through the divisions and you sort of see players that stick out for you. Um, he's someone that I definitely had my eye on um not in terms of saints ever signing but just in terms of oh there's a there's a goal scorer you know someone that scores goals and um i think when we were linked with him in the summer and then palace were as well and i was really really pleased when we got him and to be fair i mean two things i'd say i'll go back to what i said earlier saints fans are a, a knowledgeable bunch and we don't you know we're not the sort of club that just we can afford to bomb players out after our, you know we'll spend 30 million on six months later he's rubbish just get rid of him you know that sort of thing so what saints will do is and saints fans know this they will give players an opportunity you know it might take 12 18 months for him to get used to playing in the premier league you know everything happens a bit quicker the keepers pull off better saves you know that sort of thing but you look at shea adams you know he he struggled his first season and he's not turned into a 2025 a season goal scorer but what he has done is his game now, his all-round game is phenomenal. His hold-up play, his energy, he's scoring goals. And I think hopefully for Adam Armstrong, the next 12, 18 months, he can do that. But, you know, he scored the winner against Villa earlier this season. I went to watch them the first game of the season at Goodison Park. He scored on his debut. You know, yeah. I think he just, and again, you know, he's he's not been playing consistently. He's kind of been in and out of the side. And you need a run of games to sort of, um, I suppose, build that sharpness and things like that. So, so I, you know, I, I hope he will do well for us. And I think, you know, fingers crossed, next season we're, we're having a totally different conversation about him. Oh, 100%. He's someone that we knew would go on and play top-level football. You could see that his movement was second to none. His finishing was frightening. Um, struck me as a bit of a confidence player. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, you've touched on that, the, the run of games. No doubt if he plays against us, he'll put one in the top corner. <laughs> that, that's just the, the way it's done. But the one thing I find interesting about Adam Armstrong is he's had the Alan Shearer career in reverse. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Tony, Mo- I didn't know that until Tony Mowbray said it just before we signed him. He was like, oh, I was talking to him this morning. He was like, yeah, Blackburn, Newcastle, or Newcastle, Blackburn Saints, whereas he went Blackburn, Newcastle, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> which which I, I, I think is brilliant. Um, if he has half the career that the big man has. It, it, I was going to say, if he scores 230 Premier League goals for us from now, I'll be well happy. <laughs> Yeah, he looks like a future England captain anyway. Um, have I missed any? I don't think so. I think the only other one I had was Stern John. 
Do you remember him? Yeah, yeah, Stan John. Martin Craney, I had as well. Oh, but, yeah. uh, Martin Craney, think... who, 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 weirdly enough, was training with us um, yeah. in pre-season. Yeah. Um, decided to get signed them. He, he, he's married to a girl that I used to hang around with as a kid, you know. There you um, go. Kerry, yeah. you know, hi, Kerry. Yeah. Um, yeah. To, to be fair, I, I rated Martin. I thought he was a very good, very good defender. Um, yeah. You know, he, he's kind of had a great career at, you know, championship level and... Um, Solid as a rock, Stern John. I forgot about Stern John. Yeah, how can I forget about Stern? We went through a stage and we never played them together. We had big Delhi and a bowler as well. And it it would be we'd have Gary McCheffrey and one of them up front. Mm. And you could pretty much set your clock by it 60 to 65 minutes. The board would go up and Derm, Delhi would go off and Stern John would come on. <laughs> and you can see the center half go, Oh. <laughs> I've had an arrow being battered by one of them. I'm going to get it off the other one now. Yeah, um, yeah. He, he rubbed some of our fans up the wrong way because he looked a bit lazy, but I think that's that Caribbean sort of nature, isn't it? He, yeah. he scored, scored goals everywhere he went. So, yeah, um, yeah very good player, Stone was. Completely forgot he was at you guys. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he was with us in that sort of uh, George Belly era, so when we were floating around the championship and things like that. But, uh, yeah, I think the only other, the only other person I had um, was – and it was – Obviously, I heard about him dying sadly before Christmas from John Sillett. Um, because yes. again, you know, he 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 never actually played for Saints in terms of senior team, but I knew that he was someone that had been born in Southampton and had been with us. I think mm. it was like early 50s or something, so a long time before you and I, uh, Neil. But uh, again, you know, I think someone that Southampton's not a massive city. I mean, I think you know, we in terms of um, there's not loads and loads of exports that we've we've got. You know, Craig Davis, obviously, the biggest one of these days, but uh, you know, it's, pe- it's people like that that you kind of um when they go on and do you know wow whether it's in football or something like that you kind of have always have that respect that he's a a Southampton lad and um you know obviously it was sad that he died but yeah I, he didn't play for us but John Sillett was someone that I had as well so yeah yeah 100% Snoz was it was and will forever be a hero at Coventry part of the, the, the management side that won us the cup in 87 mm. um so, yeah, again a little bit before my time but but speaking to the generation before me the style of football we played um, and the love that he has for the club, like you say, settled down in the area. Um, always seen Snows at games. I remember as a kid thinking Big Fat uh, Big Fat John Sky Blue Army, not knowing who Big Fat John was. <laughs> um, turns out it was Snows. So, yeah. Um, the, last year we lost George Curtis, who was the other joint manager, um, and John Sillett. And we're, we're, I've gone off on a bit of a tangent here. Um, George Curtis is, you know, the Iron Man played centre half for us. Was part of that management side. Absolutely legend at Carf. Uh, but a friend of mine is married into his family. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember speaking to him a couple of days after the funeral. Like, you know, um, how was it? You know, just making sure he was all right. And he said, "I'm really good. I'm really worried about Snoz because he looked like part of him had gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, it's such a shame, but." We, we, we've got we've got flags and banners up in a pair of them now at the ground and that's good. Uh, long, long may that continue because they were they, they were legends along with Jimmy Hill those guys deserve the mm. freedom of Coventry for the you know um, for, for, forever. Um, before we get onto your worst five aside team, <laughs> we, we've got to touch on some legends, some heroes of yours. Obviously, yeah. we've mentioned Matt Latissi a couple of times. What a player! Yeah, um, yeah. And I'm sure you're hoping Ward Prowse has the same level of loyalty. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, yeah, starting with Latiz, I mean, absolutely just a, a genius for the football. Um, you know, so many years, I think, in staying in the Premier League simply because of him and his goals, you know, and I think as Saints fans, 
we totally appreciate that. You know, he's an ambassador at the club now. He's often around St Mary's, you know, a one club man. There won't be many of those around in this generation. Um, but yeah, just um, I, I think a player, you know, he scored 100 Premier League goals. I think he's a player that football fans appreciate, not just Southampton fans. You know, you look back at his goals and his is 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 top tens or top fifty because there's just so many top top goals to choose from. Um so yeah, fantastic player. And you're right, I mean War Prowse obviously it's well known that he he grew up in Portsmouth. He's from a family of Pompey fans, you know, he joined our academy when he's eight. I think he's been with us this is twenty one years now or something that he's been with us. So, you know, a really phenomenal um talent, you know, real he plays every game. He'll play against you guys because he just loves playing football. Um, yeah. you know, and uh, um so unless anything serious happens with COVID or something like that, he'll definitely be in the the starting lineup. But yeah, just he's 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 known as a set piece um player and you know obviously he does score phenomenal set pieces. He's he's second now to any David Beckham in terms of direct free kicks. But there's more to his game than that. And you know, if you're down at St Mary's next week you'll spot a player that covers every blade of grass. You know, he's he's brought a bit of nastiness to his game the last couple of years, you know, sort of getting stuck in tackling and things like that as well. Um, and he's our captain, you know, and I think when we we talk earlier, don't we, about the journey of a football club, the history of a football club, you know, there's a lad that has started as an eight-year-old, has worked his way up, all the, 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 the you know, the academy lads look at him now, and that's a player that is out there wearing our captain's armband on a Saturday. And for me as a Saints fan, that's what you want to see. You know, you want to see someone that's gone through that journey and is kind of, you know, not bleeding your club, but is is if you cut him in half, he would say Southampton Football Club. Yeah, 100%. Do you think that he will suffer a similar fate in terms of the national team as Latis did? Obviously, it's criminal that Latis was as uncapped as he was. Yeah. Um, do you think Ward Prowse suffers... Being a, and again, with all due respect, a smaller club in South Africa. Yeah, I think he's. I think that's already happening. You know, you look back at the Euro squad last year. He, he should have gone to the Euros and he got cut. You know, and he deserved his opportunity. He'd had a good season. He'd run more than anyone in Europe. Um, top five divisions. He'd score goals. Um, but he plays for Southampton Football Club and. I think that, again, going back to what we said earlier about the stepping stone thing, that's the challenge for the football club. You know, these players see. I don't know, Danny Ings go to Aston Villa and then get more opportunities for England. They see Adam Lallana go to Liverpool, get more opportunities for England. You know, they want to play for England. And, and I think as, you know, all of us would So it's definitely a, a an issue. But it's not just Saints that have that issue. You know, lots of clubs, I think, do, yeah. um, you know, because they're just, you know, they're, they're going to lose out to, a I don't know, a Marcus Rashford just because he plays for Man United, you know, that sort of thing. So I, I think there's more to Prousey than... You know, famous last words, you can play these back, can't you? I think there's more to Prassy than that. I think he's got a bit more integrity than than that. But I think, you know, he's a player that deserves to play for England a bit more than he has done. And, you know, hopefully those opportunities will come along with us. I think the only thing I'd say as a football fan from the outside um, is I'd love to see him in Europe, you know, against that calibre. Um, and if he does that with Southampton, brilliant. You know, it's not outside the realms of possibility, is it? So, um Fingers crossed he gets that with you guys because, like you say, he he deserves that opportunity to, to, to yeah. play his trade at, at that level. I, I just want to see him in an England show more because you're right. From what I've seen of him, he's like a brilliant footballer and I'm, I am looking forward to watching him. Yeah. Um, you know, You'll notice he's constantly playing with his hair, Neil. That'll be the one thing. Now I've told you and all your listeners, you won't be able to to stop. But he's literally, he's always just, he's always doing that. So you're just going to see him do that for 90 minutes, to be honest. Right. I'll make a point of that one. And another name we touched on earlier, who I incorrectly um, thought scored against Coventry when he wasn't, but Marion Bahar's court mm. hero of any late 90s Premier League. Yeah. The Latvian um, Michael Owen, that's what he was known as. So, uh, <laughs> um, But yeah, I mean, again, you know, it's it's... 
it's, you know, it's, it's almost like epitomizes the Saints recruitment over the years. I mean, you know, you look back at players like Ayol Berkovic, Eglostenstad, we mentioned, you know, Marin Pahas is another one in that bracket. No idea who he was. He just arrived at the Dow and, and in that 98-99 great escape season, scored some, you know, really, really important goals. And you're right, a cult hero, someone that's always welcome back at St Mary's. Sadly, his, his career was injured, um, ended early due to injury, uh, which was a real shame. But, uh, you know, a quiet, what I would say, sort of a quiet assassin, you know, didn't really ever shout and scream on the pitch, but you give him a chance and he sticks the ball in the net. Yeah, there's that one celebration, isn't there, where he stands on the advertisement before... Yeah, before. yeah, that was a Liverpool thrill. We were 3-0 down with 15 minutes to go against Liverpool and he got the equaliser. Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. I was at that game, it's brilliant. Look, without boring it, I've worked from home for the last two years. So when I'm working, I'll have Premier League years on in the background. Yeah, yeah. So Letitia's goals against Blackburn stick in my head. Um, I remember Beattie scoring a thunderbolt against Chelsea as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was Chelsea, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and that Pahar's celebration is played probably once a week. Um, <laughs> so, 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 so the, the, the stuff that stick with me. Um, is, there, is there any more guys? Yeah. is probably another one there. Franny's there. I mean, again, you know, someone who, who totally gave 100%, wasn't the greatest technically, but boy, did he make up for it with effort and energy. But um, I think, you know, for, for the sake of, um, you know, not uh, taking ages to go through all of them, I think the other one that I would say from my years following Saints, and there has been some really good players, would be Ricky, um, you know, Ricky Lambert. I think just for for me, that journey for him coming to us, you know, probably quite overweight. You know, he admitted it when I spoke to him that he'd arrived at Saints, probably having enjoyed his life a bit too much down at Bristol Rovers. No pressure on him because he was banging the goals in and then suddenly realised, he actually he actually said to me that Alan Pardew got him in his office one day and made him lift his T-shirt up and almost acknowledged that he was overweight you know and that, at that point he made it he, he realized that it was kind of a career defining moment if you want to make it at this level he needed to lose some weight and get more in shape and things like that but to then go on that journey with us he, he scored goals in league one he was in the league one team of the year he went in championship he scored goals in championship he's in the championship team of the year we got into the premier league he scored goals our first game at uh, man city in the premier league he scored and uh he then obviously got the chance for England. He came on, and that Scotland game that we all remember scored. And and you you talked earlier about crying. You know that for me was a an eye water moment. Seeing a lad who'd given everything from that moment to get himself to that level, first touch for England, scores a winning goal against Scotland at Wembley. I mean, it's kind of Roy of the Ravers stuff, and that's what I said to him. You know, it's like it's almost like the real life version of Roy of the Ravers from a lad that was in a working in a beach shoot factory to then going on to pay for his home club Liverpool. And sadly, it didn't work out for him. But you know, he and uh, I think he admitted that he kind of to a certain extent regretted leaving Saints. But in his time with Saints, nil, absolutely phenomenal and. There ain't going to be many players that you get these days for one million pound that score you 110 goals. Oh no, f- far from it. And I, I, I remember when you guys signed him. Obviously, we, we were floating around those sort of leagues with you, um, seeing what done at Bristol Rovers, um, and you always thought like that next division was going to be a step too far. Mm. But he just took it in stride. You, you, you touch on that England game, well, that England goal, you know, scoring against Scotland, and I think every football fan in the country was happy with that. You yeah. know. That was one of us, wasn't it? That was one yeah, of us yeah, working exactly. in a factory, working in an office, finally getting yeah. that opportunity. Yeah, yeah, it, it was your average Joe Bloggs off the street scoring yeah. for England against the old enemy. <laughs> it's the sort of stuff the dreams are made of, isn't it? Um, so yeah, definitely love that. And to be fair, we, we, we spoke to um, Charlotte and Izzy Rochdale fans, and 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 they mentioned that they still speak to him. Although he was only there 
I think, 18 months, they still hold Ricky in such high regard. I think that says a lot that everywhere he's gone, he's been loved. Mm. He, even at Liverpool, it didn't work out, but you speak to Liverpool fans and they still hold Ricky in high regard. Um, let's flip the switch, because why not? And, and this is what we like to do here. Um, we can sit and talk about heroes all day. <laughs> no, one one wants, wants, no one wants heroes, do they? No, no one wants to talk about them. <laughs> And I'm I'm gonna make a prediction now. I'm gonna I'm not gonna write them. I'm, I'm gonna write it on my computer. Right. If this guy's if this guy isn't in your side, I guarantee I know who you're talking about. And I guarantee he's on my side. Don't worry. <laughs> if he's not in your side, I, do you know what? I'm staying in Southampton next week. I'll wear a Pompey shirt for the night out. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have your worst five side team. Right. My worst five side team. Okay. So starting in goal then. Chris Woods, obviously you'll remember him, played for England, I think 40-odd games. And when he arrived with us, he was obviously at the tail end of his career. I remember going to a game against Oxford United. The first time I saw him up at the Manor Ground, their old Manor Ground, and we drew one all in the the cup and took them back to a replay. And he didn't look great that night. Um, He only played four games for us, one of those, Neil. We lost 7-1 at Everton, so that tells you all you need to know. Um, But, yeah, just, you know, for, for a player that arrived with that reputation... Um, and I think to be fair to him, you know, it wasn't the greatest defence in front of him. But yeah, Chris Woods, just every, everything that went on goal went in, to be honest with you, in that time that he was there. So he's my goalkeeper. Then I'm playing, I'm only playing one at the back because I obviously wanted to make sure I top loaded it with attackers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, look, you mentioned Callum earlier. I I didn't get to see Callum Davenport in his prime. Unfortunately, when Callum Davenport joined us, he was part of Harry Redknapp's relegation team. He was probably towards the end of his career as well. He was, I've written down here, slow cumbersome error prone and a big piece of our relegation story and unfortunately i'm sure there's lots of people tut and throwing things at their their radio or whatever but he, he just for me is one of those players that when i look back and think of that that season we got relegated and the problems we had defensively he was one of the major issues for that and uh he wasn't the only one to blame but unfortunately he's made my worst uh no, worst I, team I, so i get that completely obviously he came from our academy played you know a, a fair few games Went with a big price tag and a big reputation. Mm. And things didn't work out. You know, th- th- there's lots of reasons why. But, you know, when you hear fans that have seen that side of Callum, I can understand why completely. Mm. Um, I- I'm sure I can sit here and say things about players that have the commentary show that, have, that other people wouldn't agree with. So, yeah. um, no, I-, I-, I think it's a very just selection. <laughs> Good stuff. It's, it's doesn't doesn't say a lot for my worst team that we're playing one at the back, and that's him, does it? But there we go. So um, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna move on from the one that I think you're talking about. So um, Neil McCann is uh, my next one. Um, pro- probably some of your listeners will know him. He does um, punditry on Sky these days. Um, but yeah, he he joined us sort of under George Burley. There was the Scottish link there. I think we paid a million pounds for him, and he obviously came with a bit of a reputation from Rangers. He was a little tricky winger, I think, um, mm. in those days. For those that don't remember. He had lovely hair, actually, perfect hair, and uh, centre part in. Um, but he played 40 games for us, um, no goals, barely any assists, I remember. And uh, it used to be one of those things that when he ran down the church line, I used to sit in the chapel stand in those days, which is opposite end to where you guys will be. Um, everyone in the stand used to take cover because you knew that the cross was going to end, hit, had more chance of hitting us than anyone in the middle. So, uh, you know, it was a bit lightweight for the Premier League and, uh, yeah, didn't really do um, any justice. So Neil McCann has made my team. Um up front, because I'm going to do my last midfielder last, because yeah. I, I, I want to. I just want to make sure you've definitely got it. Um, up front, I've gone with Uwe Rosler. So again, you'll probably yeah. remember him from his Man City days, where he scored a load of goals. Basically, my team's just full of 
players that got to us when they were about 50 years old and were rubbish, basically. I've just realised that. Um, but uh, Yeah. So he, he played for us 2000 to 2002, just before Strax came along. Um, 29 games and he scored one goal and that was in the League Cup. I can't remember who it was against, but it was probably someone like, you know, Bristol Ravers or something like that. Someone rubbish. Um, he was just he was just dreadful. And again, you know, a player that you've sort of seen score so many Premier League goals. I forget how many he got, like 60 and 150 for City or something. You think he's bound to score goals from us. And it was almost like, you know, a, a crossfit would come in and he'd have that sort of tobler head. He'd go head it one way, it would go the other way. You know, he'd try and control it on his knee. It would hit his shin and just, he was just rubbish. So unfortunately, whilst I know he had a decent career in other places, Uwe Rossler is my striker. My fifth player, Neil, is Ali Dia. Yes! <laughs> Good. Oh, that's a relief. I'm glad you got him. So, yeah. So, yeah. He could, so, he could have been anyone else. I mean, he could be anyone else. Yeah. I mean, this, this is a story that you're never, ever going to hear again in, in football, I wouldn't have thought. But this is, for those that don't know, yeah. He Obviously, there was a phone call to Graham Sooners, who was our manager back in 96, um, of someone pretending to be George Weir um, and basically recommending this guy to Southampton as as being George Weir's cousin. And we were apparently, I mean, I, I listened to Suna sort of styling the story these days and it's, it's clear he's had 25 years to try and sort of come together some excuse that sounds reasonable. But we signed him on a one-month contract um, and they, they were due to play, I think, a, 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 what would you call it in those days, a reserve game. Mm. Um, and it was rained off, so they never actually got to see him play. Um, and then he was on the bench for a game against Leeds United. And I'm pretty sure, because this was 96, you'll probably know better than I knew. I think that was in the days where you had a max of three subs, maybe even two. So, you know, we obviously shunned a load of other players aside just to put this guy on the bench. Um, and Matt Letizia had been struggling a bit anyway. Um, and I think did his uh, thigh 32nd minute, he gets substituted by this guy. So, you know, as fans, we're all, we've all heard this story, you know, uh, George Weir's cousin, well, well, you know, you, you didn't really notice him in the warm-up. Um, you noticed him when he came on. I mean, it was literally like, I think Matt Letizia said he was like Bambi. I mean, it was like that. He was just running around, no idea what he was doing, couldn't control it. I mean, it was it was like a bloke who'd won a competition almost, you know, to... to, to um, so unsurprisingly, having come on in the 32nd minute, he got subbed in the 83rd minute and taken <laughs> off again. So he was only on for 50 minutes and they terminated his contract two weeks into the one-month uh, contract. But yeah, I mean, just, I think, a, a, you know, a, a, an amazing hoodwinking story uh, a phenomenal situation that will never come up again with all the scouting analysis and as I say I mean I think Sunas has sort of chewed on it so much over the years that he's come up with this idea that he knew what it was all about and they would have never played him if he played the reserve game and all that sort of thing but just you know I I mean amateurish all around it's brilliant it's so funny purely and simply because like you say how did it happen? And the fact that he comes on for the legend that is Matt Letizia. <laughs> well, all players to come on. For. That, but that almost that almost makes the story even more perfect. <laughs> exactly that. And like, you know, we've all seen the clips of him running around, like chasing the ball, like like a fly around shit, like yeah. no positional sense, nothing. And you've got to think, soon as much beside as I go in. Oh, my career's over. <laughs> I, I mean, he should be lucky this was a day before Twitter because there would have been videos of him running around and everyone slating him and all that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, this is the sort of thing where no one knows until they read the paper on Monday that this guy's even played if they weren't at the Dell. So, yeah. <laughs> to try and, try and give a little bit of background, for me, this is the modern-day equivalent of 
that Nigerian prince that's in your junkie man. Yeah, box. yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, the, the son of a wealthy Nigerian police chief or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Gramsciness has gone. I'm in the money. Um, yeah. I can't think of a better way to finish um, than than Ali Daya. Um, what, what the cult hero that he is. Um, God knows what he's done since. But fair play to you, sir, for blagging your way into a Premier League football game. <laughs> exactly. Um, but it, it's been an absolute pleasure um, to talk all things Saints with you. I've, I've got to get a score prediction off you. I... Oh, that's, I mean, this, that's unfair, really, isn't it? But, I mean, it's got, it's got to be sorted on the day, hasn't it? I mean, yeah. if, if Saints play to their potential, Neil, they should... Oh, oh, Cruz is totally the wrong word. They should get through. Um I think it'll be hard. I think Coventry will be up for it. I, I respect Mark Robbins a lot as a manager. He will have his team fired up. So I think it depends what team you put out, as you mentioned about the playoffs, but there's 5,000 fans there. I can't imagine he's going to drop too many players. I think it will be really, really hard work and Saints will just get through 2-1. I'm going to agree with you, but after extra time. Oof, that's the last thing we need. We've got Spurs on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Um so I, I personally feel that we'll be in the game enough um, to take you to extra time, but then the Premier League fitness and class will, will take over. Um, I'm looking forward to a fantastic day out at, at St Mary's. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm hoping for a really good game of football. Um, and I think I speak on behalf of all car fans when I say that apart from that game, we, we wish you the best of luck for the season. Um, anyone who's listening who wants to find out more about Saints, where can they find you, mate? Yeah, no, thanks. So, I mean, first thing first, thanks for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure and reminiscing about some great times as a as a Saints fan. So, um, yeah, we're we're on all the sort of normal social media channels. Twitter, Facebook is just at Total Saints Pod, uh, and on all of the sort of various podcast channels, Total Saints Podcast, you'll find us on there. And finally, we've got a website as well. Um, so it's www.totalsaints.co.uk. So there's a few places to find us, Neil. And uh, yeah, absolute pleasure speaking to you. And all Coventry fans out there, as I said at the start, a lot of respect for you. And uh, I'll keep my fingers crossed that we finally see you back in the Premier League one day. Ben, thank you so much, mate. Take care. Cheers, Neil.